Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 47 of the Tech Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is A Gal with Alpha Gal, an interview with Leah Spears Blackman. My name is Richard Johannes. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is Leah Spears Blackman. Leah Spears Blackman is a 40-year-old woman from Arkansas. She is a vice president of retail operations for First Security Bank and a co-owner of a catering business. In June of 2017, after enjoying the food served at a wedding in Colorado, Leah's tongue began to swell. Shortly after returning back to Arkansas from the wedding reception, she attended a pizza party and noticed that her face and eyes were swollen. Finally, on Labor Day of 2017, Leah and her wife traveled to Beaver Lake in Northwest Arkansas for a birthday celebration. While in the middle of the lake, Leah began to suffer swelling that was so severe that skin on her lips began to crack and her eyes were swollen shut. A quick thinking friend called a local doctor for emergency treatment advice. And one of the questions the doctor asked was, had Leah ever been bitten by a tick? Upon returning home from the trip, Leah made an appointment with a local allergy center and was diagnosed with a tick-borne alpha-gal red meat allergy. Hey, Leah Spears Blackman, and welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Good morning. Can you share with our audience where you are from? I am from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, it is the flagship uh, university town of the state of Arkansas. Go right the back. Leah, where did you grow up? I actually grew up in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, which is uh, the home of the Cherokee Nation, and um, on a farm, and moved over to Northwest Arkansas during high school and graduated from the University of Arkansas and never left. What degree did you graduate with? I have a Bachelor of Science in Education uh, with a focus in uh, uh, early childhood. I've actually never used it. I, I fell into banking um, nearly 20 years ago and am now uh, the Vice President of Retail Operations for First Security Bank, which is located uh, locally. Because tick diseases are family diseases, we also ask our guests to share with our audience their relationship status. Yes, I am happily married to a brilliant woman. Her name is Micah, and she is a chef. We own a catering business that she runs and operates. And um, yeah, we've been married for just over five years. Can you share with us when you first began to see the symptoms of a tick disease? Yes. So my story is a little unique in that I do realize how lucky um, I am that I was able to determine what this situation was so quickly. I know that so many people have suffered for years without an answer and going through a multitude of doctors. Um, 2017, in June, we were attending a friend's wedding in Telluride, Colorado, and a lot of festivities. We were having a great time. My mouth felt weird and my tongue felt swollen and just crazy. I kept biting the side of my tongue because it was so swollen and really just thought that maybe it was just the acidity and the different food that I'd been eating and the swelling would decrease, but then it would come back all the while just eating all of the foods that I love, especially out there in that region and never really having a thought about um, anything being food related, except for maybe the acidity in the sauces and things of that sort. We came home and attended a friend's birthday party, which I know now in retrospect, it, it was a pizza party. And of course, love pizza, was a very, very non-picky eater. And 
we were getting ready for bed and I turned and looked at Micah and I said, oh my gosh, is something wrong with my eye? And she, <laughs> she jerked back and shocked her and she said, your eye is nearly swollen shut. Again, thought maybe it was bad mascara. It's weird how you try to reason away a situation and come up with just what might be a really feasible reason for why your body is all of a sudden freaking out. I took two Benadryl, went to bed, prayed that it would not be swollen when I got up because I was thinking, how am I going to go to work with my eyes swollen shut? I woke up, the swelling was gone. And then a couple of weeks later was Labor Day weekend of 2017. And we were out in the middle of Beaver Lake here in Northwest Arkansas. And it was my wife's birthday weekend. We were having festivities, again, all of the food that you can imagine. Um, And I woke up one morning and my mouth hurt so badly. And again, I looked at Micah and she was like, oh my God, what is wrong with your lip? And so I didn't realize at the time what this was, but it was full on angioedema. And my lip was so swollen that the skin was beginning to split and my eyes were beginning to swell. Fortunately, some of our very dear friends just lived down the road. And so I made a phone call. They called their local doctor. Keep in mind, we're pretty remote at this location. And so it would have been probably about a half hour, 45 minute drive to an emergency room. And they get their doctor on the phone. And this doctor is actually the first person that said, has she been bitten by a tick? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, of course I have. I grew up on a farm. We're out in the middle of the lake. Of course I've been bit by a tick. And he said, it sounds like red meat allergy. And so he told my friend, give her a Zyrtec, give her this many Benadryl. If anybody has a Zantac, which of course I'm thinking, what does Zantac have anything to do with this? But at that point, I wasn't asking questions. I was just following direction. And that was the scariest episode. After that trip, I was fine. The swelling started to go down. I absolutely should have been in an emergency room. And I'm I'm very, very, very fortunate. As soon as we got back from that trip and resumed back to normal life, I made an appointment immediately with Hedberg Allergy and Asthma Center and let them know that I needed to see a doctor specifically about what I referred to then as a red meat allergy. When you had the first three experiences where you had first the swollen tongue at the wedding, then later the swollen eyes, and then the third experience was you had both the swollen lip and the swollen eyes, did you recognize that you were having an allergic reaction to something? I did. And you know, how stubborn are, are we? How stubborn am I? I did recognize that it had to have been an allergic reaction. Um, I had no idea what it could have been. Here's, here's the, the, the interesting part of this though. My, my wife had said in June, she said, you need to start a food diary. And I don't know why I was so resistant to this. I guess maybe because in the back of my mind, I thought if I'm really becoming ill or if I'm developing an allergy to something, the anticipation of having to change the routine. I was so resistant to that. Um, realizing that now hindsight's 2020 and I, I didn't do a food journal, but she did. She kept notes <laughs> of, of our meals and what I was ingesting. And, um, we have a, a, a dear friend that we knew had alpha gal 
and had had a serious emergency situation when, when he had been in Vegas and had a steak. And Micah said, I think you have what Johnny has. And I was like, no, 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 no. There's no way. There's no way. I, I don't remember the last time I got bit by a tick. Um, there's no way. And so I, for some reason, just really did not want to even entertain, look into, consider that I was, that I had developed this. Um, but she sure did. And the importance of having that family support and that, that medical advocate, oh gosh, I, it, looking back on that, it is just uh, such a blessing. I, I don't know what I would have done without Micah really insisting that this was the possibility. Leah, can you clarify for me, when your wife began to suspect that you had an allergic reaction to meat products? It wasn't during our trip when my tongue was swelling, um, when we were in Telluride and Santa Fe. It was the second episode um, after the pizza party when my eye nearly swelled shut. And uh, the timing of that, we had had dinner at this party. I I'm sure that I consumed beef and pork. And like, I mean, literally textbook, about six to seven hours later is when my eye shut, when my eye swelled, swelled shut. Um, and that's when Micah, she, she became insistent. She was just like, this is what you have. So uh, it was that second episode that she became um, very confident. So Leah, why were you resistant to your wife's suggestion that you were suffering from a meat allergy? So I, a very non-picky eater, love food. I, I've never been sick. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy as a horse, if you will. And the idea of being a 40-year-old adult and then having this situation happen where you have, I guess the idea of having to completely modify, you know, your life, your comfort, creature comfort, I, I really just for some reason just willed it, was trying to will it away. Ridiculous in hindsight. <laughs> but I, I don't know, the, the idea of having a syndrome, having a condition, man, I just really, I, I, I was willing it away, praying it away. I did not want to deal with the reality of what that could possibly be for some reason. What changed in you that caused you to go from resisting care to finally seeking out care? That episode of that really severe angioedema on the lake during Labor Day weekend scared me to death. Um, I realized at that moment I had zero tools with me out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, had I gone into anaphylaxis, I, it would have been dire. And so uh, I guess the reasonable um, part of my brain, the, um, the smart part of my brain kicked in and literally I thought, Leah, this is ridiculous. You've got to go to a doctor. And at, at Micah's insisting as well, she was like, okay, we're done. Like, we're not messing around with this anymore. Um, it, all of my friends there and my family, my brother was there that weekend and it, I could see that it scared him very much. And so anyway, the, the reality of it sunk in and Sometimes you got to wave a white flag. So just, I guess for me, I was, uh, I don't know why I was so stubborn about it, but 
immediately made an appointment when we got home and um, was so glad that, that I did because that was the beginning of, of the healing. So Leah, was the allergy progressing, meaning was it getting worse each time you began to have allergic reactions? Yes, it was. And, and that, that trajectory was what was so eye-opening is that, you know, at the beginning, that first reaction early in the summer of 2017, it was, it was slight, it was uncomfortable, but it was just slight. And then as that summer progressed into that Labor Day weekend um, reaction, it, it increasingly got worse and worse. So Lee, I want to stress for our listeners that although you sort of pushed it off until the fall of 2017, those reactions you were having could have been really severe and potentially fatal if they worsened. Absolutely. I think back on those reactions and feel extremely fortunate that I was able to, um, well, here to tell about it. So yes, it, at, at any point that there's anything that, that changes in your body, um, either slightly or drastically like that, um, absolutely seek medical attention. Um, boy, I, I learned some valuable lessons and, and I'm very, very fortunate. So Leah, once you decided that this was a severe issue and you had to seek some guidance, you went and visited Dr. Jenny Campbell at the Hedberg Allergy Clinic. I had um, asked around, and as I referred to my friend earlier, um, my friend Johnny, he had an episode in, in after eating a steak that led to his diagnosis. And Dr. Campbell, um, he referred me to the clinic had a really great experience. And so I made an appointment with her immediately. Um, the nurse was so great. Dr. Campbell was so great. The questioning was so extensive and so thorough. Um, I felt like I had the full attention of both of them was able to ask a million questions. And do you know what was so significant to me about that initial visit I loved, I loved this so much. She, Dr. Campbell said, Leah, I'm learning too. Um, I know enough about this to be a support for you, but I need for you to also teach me. And that, I loved that so much. That just really resonated with me. I felt like I had an advocate and a support in that relationship. And so, um, it was just a really great experience. She immediately sent me to the lab for the, for, for the testing. And uh, I got my results back very quickly. And uh, she was just extremely attentive and made sure that I knew exactly what the diagnosis was and just really open conversations and um, a direct line of communication. Leah, did you find that honesty, that pure honesty of your allergist about that she's learning with you, that alpha gal is still a new allergy and where, where you don't know everything about it, to be sort of common for you to be more open with your doctor rather than that sort of one-way relationship with the doctor? Absolutely. Her letting me know that and, and, and she was, you know, she was really honest about the research that she had done to date um, when we were having that conversation, explaining to me that there's you know, varying um, ideas about um, how the how the allergy is is um, 
how someone becomes allergic um, through the bite, um, if there is a, a remission process. I mean, she was just so honest with me about all of the questions that still remain. And so, yes, our, our interactions have been um, two-way all the time. And when I really wanted to start gathering more information, I was doing a lot of research on my own and, and ultimately starting my blog and my website, um, I reached out to her and she said, oh my gosh, what can I do? You know, let me be involved as much or as much as you need me to be. And so it, it's been a great relationship. I trust it wholeheartedly, which is a real comfort to be able to know that I have a doctor that I know is going to listen to me and give me their full attention and also wants to understand what I'm experiencing um, so that she can help other people. Leah, you mentioned that your friend had a steak allergy and went to Dr. Campbell and as a result recommended Dr. Campbell for you as well. Did your friend experience the alpha-gal allergy too? Yes, yes. And, and is still treating the syndrome um, by avoiding mammalian meat. Uh, my friend does not have the dairy sensitivity that I have. I'm a little jealous. Um, <laughs> but yes, he is still um, living um, an alpha-gal friendly lifestyle. I think that's an important note about the alpha-gal allergy that different people react differently to it. So for example, you're allergic to dairy and your friend is not. So what is your allergist view on that as to why some people are react one way and have more severe allergies and other people have less allergies than others? Seriously, right? It, the, it runs the spectrum. Um, and that's also one of the big questions. Um, there, there's, there's no understanding of why I might have a higher, uh, you know, reaction to something versus someone else who might be able to have dairy. I, I know people on the social media communities that can't be in the same room with fumes from mammalian meat being prepared. Such high levels of sensitivity, which would just, that's miserable um, to really have to navigate your environment to such a degree. I, I, I cannot imagine what that would probably, what that would be like. And I, I feel for those people. Um, there's, I've asked, I'm still seeking information on that. I, I, I know that there are, I know that there are doctors and scientists pursuing um, better understanding of why the spectrum of, of sensitivity. Uh, I, I, at this time, I do not know exactly why that is for some and not for others. So Leah, we had a guest uh, several months ago, Sarah Shenneman, who was on our podcast, who had a very, very severe reaction to the alpha-gal allergy and is, can't even go to certain grocery stores because of the smells will cause her to pass out. So really it goes from really, really aggressive to mild in some cases. And the reality of it is we just don't know yet why certain people react certain ways. Correct. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And I've, you know, I've, I've been really careful too, just about um, reading other people's stories and, and what's caught, what's triggered a reaction, um, you know, use cross-contaminating cutting boards and your cutlery. Um, we're, we're really, really careful about stuff like that. I don't know that I've had a reaction simply based on 
using a cutting board that's been previously used for carving, you know, pork tenderloin or uh, a steak or something like that. But I know that that does happen to people with alpha-gal who have um, higher sensitivity, and I just really try to avoid it. But it's, it's so true. That's so scary to not be able to control an environment. You've got to go to the grocery store. You know, I mean, if your workplace is having a pizza party and you're allergic to fumes, you know, trigger your reaction. I just, it's scary. Well, you also mentioned that your reaction would occur about six to seven hours after ingesting the food product that you were allergic to. Can you describe why it took so long for you to have that reaction? Well, alpha gal, the, the reactions trigger, and this is what makes it so tricky to really drill down and understand that, that your situation is alpha gal. You know, a lot of people with shellfish, peanut, those sorts of allergies, for most people, based on what I understand, those reactions are fairly immediate. With alpha gal, the reaction occurs during the digestion process. And so you can have a meal, go to bed a couple hours later, and wake up in the middle of the night with a severe reaction. And that's what's so boggling about it. Before you understand what that is, you wake up and you think, oh my gosh, I've been asleep. Like I haven't been in contact with anything. And uh, I know that, that, you know, I've read stories where people were like, is there a wasp in the room? Like, did I get a spider bite? Just trying to understand what could have happened. Not thinking back five, six, seven hours prior to that and considering that maybe it might have been food ingestion. And the scary part about that is this, this potentially fatal allergic reaction, if you don't understand what's happening, happens so much later on that you're not going to correlate the food that you had seven hours ago to the reaction you're having potentially. Yeah, it's, it's not the first thing that you consider. You, you know, you immediately think uh, reaction to insect, um, reaction to a topical, maybe a cream or something like that. The, the idea that it could have been a meal seven hours prior usually is not the first thing that's considered. On that note, it seems like, you know, many people may or may not have heard about this alpha-gal allergy as it's relatively new, but it's important to know that it's not uncommon. It's been a eye-opening surprise to me that, especially after establishing my website and blog, how many people on social media have been referred to our site, to sites that we also send people to, uh, these online and, and social media communities, there have been so many people say, hey, Leah, I sent somebody to your website, or hey, Leah, I know somebody, can they're going to, you know, check out your Facebook page, and, it, it, and it's just becoming more and more common, which is so scary that it's still so, so many things about it are unknown, but it's just, you're increasingly understanding that so many more people are being impacted. And Leah, of course, it's important for us not only to self-diagnose, but to make sure that we are helping our family members identify this problem. Because it, it seems to me from the way you've described it, if your wife wasn't aggressive, you may have continued to engage in the behavior that resulted in the allergic reaction. And who knows what would have happened? No question. No question. It is very, very, very important. You know, Mike is a great example of someone just stepping in and saying, 
and she did. She said, okay, we're done. Um, this is not what we're doing anymore. <laughs> you have to go find an answer to what is causing this. And of course, out of love and concern, I cannot impress enough and stress the importance of the support that Alpha Gal, in order to be successful in treating it, you have to have the support of your family, your friends. We affectionately call that group of people in my life, my tribe. They, it, it's game changing. And I read stories about people who don't have that support, who have, you know, live in households with other family members who don't believe that someone is suffering from alpha gal. They don't understand it. They think it's just, you know, a, a reason for a food preference. Um, that is, that's, that has to be so frustrating. And that makes me sad for people that don't have that communal um, support behind them because it, it takes a lot of, of work to, to navigate through this. And, and it is so important. If you, if you think that someone might have alpha gal, and I get this question a lot, Leah, I think maybe my brother has alpha gal or um, I get a question, Leah, I've got this rash. Could this be alpha gal? I'm like, go to the doctor, go to the doctor. Do not walk, run, go to the doctor. So Leah, let's, let's talk about your testing. So now you see Dr. Campbell and what type of test do they perform to identify if you have this allergy or not? It is a, in my situation, it's a blood sample that uh, was taken. And the actual test is interesting. I, and frankly, gave me quite a bit of, of relief and peace of mind. My particular test, um, like I said, a blood panel, and they tested specifically for pork, beef, cow, and goat milk. Um, which I really appreciated because I, I knew that it was probably beef and pork. Um, I, I kind of thought I might have a sensitivity to dairy. Um, and so that test really helped confirm a lot of those things. All of those things came back positive. And, um, you know, there's some, I, I, I think that there's some variance in some of those testings because, of course, we keep going back to this. They're still trying to figure all this stuff out. Um, but that positive test really just confirmed all of our questions and allowed us to um, decide on a plan going forward. So Leah, based on this test and the clinical observations with your allergist, what exactly are you allergic to today as a result of that tick bite? I am allergic to beef, pork, and, and dairy, uh, specifically the I think that my test came back um, a little bit higher on the cow's milk, more specifically. I, I avoid any mammalian protein, and I avoid all dairy, uh, regardless of what mammal it comes from, uh, just to be safe. So now at this point that you realize you have all these allergies, what is your plan to ensure you don't have an allergic reaction moving forward in case of accidental exposure from something you eat? The, the most important aspect of the plan is that I, I am so thorough now. I, I used to be a label reader only because, you know, of course, tracking calories, <laughs> uh, forever the hamster wheel of, of dieting and things of that sort. But I, we read everything that we pick up and make sure that 
um, it does not have any beef stock milk content things of that sort and so prevention is is the best treatment right so we're really really careful about that if i were to ever accidentally ingest uh, um, something that would trigger a reaction which has happened that's i just I, I pay very special attention especially if the roof of my mouth starts itching and i also have a situation where if i accidentally ingest something that was an indicator early on that we now know in hindsight was that i get a really bad eczema type rash on my neck and it it kind of moves around and it's real itchy and hot if that starts onsetting as well, um, that's when I take that, I have a cocktail that we refer to it as a cocktail. It's part of our, my anaphylaxis emergency action plan. And it is a, a portion of Benadryl, prednisone, and Zantac. And if I notice that something's coming on, um, the itching of the roof of my mouth, maybe splotchiness on my neck, I take those I, I take a com that combo and um something that is also really important that again i i did not do my wife did this we have this combo this benadryl prednisone zantac combo portioned out and distributed all through our house um in my office both cars <laughs> so she's so careful and i'm so grateful um so that if i ever have any um, indication that I might have accidentally eaten something. I can take that combo and so far so good. Leah, you mentioned that Zantac is part of the cocktail of Benadryl, prednisone, and Zantac that you take when you have an allergic reaction, but isn't Zantac more of a heartburn medication? I'm curious how that helps you with an allergic reaction. Isn't that interesting? Um, so that Labor Day weekend that I had the full-on angioedema and should have been in the emergency room, uh, a good friend said, you need to take a Zantac. And I said, what? I'm, I'm not having heartburn. I'm having trouble breathing. <laughs> and um, she, she explained to me, she said, it's the other antihistamine. And so at that point, I thought, I don't understand. Um, after some research, of course, even if you just Google like treatment for hives, even WebMD will state that you should probably consider taking a Zantag. H2 blockers is, is what's a, a common reference. Basically, we have more than one type of antihistamine, and um, the Zantac has been proven to help with um, hive treatment, things of that sort. It, it narrows, it helps narrow blood vessels, and it calms that reaction that, you know, um, that typically presents itself as as a hive breakout. So that's why that's part of that of that combo. And a lot of people do not know that. I I didn't. I was a 40 year old woman and had never heard that. And so when Dr. Campbell included that in that Benadryl Benadryl prednisone Zantac combo, um, uh, my friend had educated me over that Labor Day weekend episode and. Um, yeah, we keep it on hand. It, it, it's, a, it's a great medicine for that. Can you walk us through, has there been an experience where you've needed to take this cocktail of medication to help you with a reaction that you've had? 
One that comes to mind that I actually did write my blog, that I put in the blog, is Micah and I were down at the Gulf of Mexico and eating, of course. We, we like to eat a lot. And we had gone to one of our favorite little restaurants for brunch. I, reading the menu uh, very carefully, as always, decided on this appetizer. And it had, it had greens in it, but it was chicken. So I grew up in the South. My wife is a chef. We know, we know that we know that greens, if you are in the South, they are probably prepared with a fork ham hock, something of that sort. Guys, it did not even occur to us. We, we read the ingredients. It said greens and chicken. I focused in on the chicken. Micah focused in on the chicken, made sure there was no dairy. We were really careful about the dairy and enjoyed these wonderful appetizers. Um, seven hours later at our favorite dinner restaurant, I looked at Micah and I said, is my eye swelling? And she was like, oh my God, what did, what did we eat? And I said, I don't know, I don't know. And she started just, you know, going through trying to remember what we'd eaten. She said, it was the greens. It was the collard greens and the appetizer, of course. They're made with pork. And so, you know, you just, you, you can really beat yourself up because um, like we know better. But regardless, I was having a reaction. And fortunately, um, my eye was not necessarily swelling. I could feel the pressure behind it. Um, and so I took, I had on hand as part of our emergency plan, uh, my Benadryl, prednisone, Bantac, little cocktail, and um, took that. And we, you know, had to grab our check and go because we, Michael wanted to make sure that we were somewhere that if we needed to do the epi or get to a, a hospital that we could. So it happens and it's, it's never convenient. Um, it was sad that we didn't get to sit there and enjoy the rest of our dinner, but I was really, really glad that we had that on hand because it, it immediately gives peace of mind. And then, and then you can just monitor for me, I get to monitor the situation and decide, am I feeling better? And, and every single time that this has happened, I've been fortunate. I immediately start feeling um, the benefits of that medicine. And uh, fortunately, I've not had a situation where it's not worked. So Leah, it's difficult to avoid meat products because they appear to be in almost everything. It's just crazy. You think that you've got this whole thing figured out and then out of nowhere, it's like, wait, what is this? So I try to take the flu vaccine every year. Two years ago, the provider, I asked, I said, I have AlphaGal. Can you guarantee that this has no meat product in it? They couldn't. I had to skip that year. I ended up with the flu. <laughs> and so the following year, the provider, she remembered me. It was the same nurse. And she said, Leah, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you're back this year. I asked, I have a, an injection for you that is guaranteed that it is not, does not have any mammalian product in it. Um, I really appreciated her thoroughness and have, again, I just, I, I'm really fortunate that I've had healthcare providers and people in the medical field that have just been so attentive. As far as just over-the-counter things, you know, gel caps, I can't take gel caps. They, they, they have gelatin in them. A lot of people don't know that gelatin is mammalian, typically mammalian bone that is ground down and 
that is what makes gelatin, which is kind of icky if you think about it. And, you know, different things in, in toothpaste, topical creams, makeup, uh, guys, I've gone, I've spent so much money, just trial and error, process of elimination. Um, I will have a reaction to one thing that promises that it's vegan and, and this and that and the other, just to throw it away. So it's an ongoing ongoing process. I don't know that I'll ever not have to test things out. You know, you don't think that toothpaste is going to have anything in it other than just medicinal aspect. And I, yeah, I've been having reactions. So trying to figure out what product is out there that I can use and actually just looked up a recipe to make my own toothpaste the other day. So which always terrifies Micah because she's afraid that I'm going to make her do it with me. <laughs> but, you know, you have to look into those kinds of things. And uh, that's the next step. I think I'm, I'm going to probably be blogging soon about my experience of making my own toothpaste. Have you ever had an experience where the cocktail didn't work and you had to use the EpiPen? No, never. And thank God, fortunately, um, I've not, I've not had to use the Epi. I, I update it every year as recommended and keep it on my person everywhere that I go. I've never had to use it. The cocktail that you're using, the Benadryl, prednisone, and Zantac, are you able to get non-prescription forms of these um, medications or, or some or all of them prescription form? The prednisone is prescription. Um, the others are over the counter. So can you talk to our audience about how you've changed as a consequence of having this tick bite experience? Our day-to-day -day life in so many ways still looks the same. You know, alpha-gal is, is one of those things that it, it really just hits your creature comfort um, in my experience. And, you know, if you love food and especially if you're, not a particularly picky eater. Wow, it, it is life-changing. My life has changed in, in the way that we have really worked hard on changing our palate to continue to try to enjoy foods that are out there, but that somewhat simulate dairy, you know, um, things of that sort, almond milk, coffee creamers, dairy-free cheeses, things like that. There's a lot of great products out there. I think most people want to try to choose things that are healthier for them. And so they'll be interested in the dairy aspect and they'll say, oh, is that good? And my response always is, well, you won't think it will be. I mean, you won't think that it's good because you're still used to, you know, the real deal. And so it, it just takes some time and some some determination and patience to kind of navigate through the actual food aspect of figuring out what what you want to substitute and and what you like and what still gives you that what satiates that thing that you're desiring. My life as a an environmentalist, I I've always been I love this term a waste head. I, I did not come up with that. I heard that and I loved it. I've always been extremely concerned about the impact of what our consumerism and our desire to buy, 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 and disregard for where our food come from, comes from, the impact that we're having. And AlphaGal has really slowed me down to stop 
and consider where my food is coming from and the impact of mass production. Our collectively, our household for, for Micah and myself, our carbon footprint is so much lighter. And you know, I always had this desire to live and 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 eat a cleaner, a cleaner diet. And I never had the discipline. So how funny is that? And now I don't have an, a choice. So the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> and and I, that's the silver lining. That's the thing that if if I can be grateful for anything about this, it, it is that. And I've learned so much about, like I said, food production, our impact of consumerism, and how to really just slow down and consider our impact globally. Uh, I think I read an article and, and it's on the, the Alpha Gal Facebook page. I posted it not long ago, but it was about this idea that mother nature is collecting her debt. And I know that can be way far out there for some people and they're like, well, she's insane. Um, mother nature has, you know, is not, an entity that's going to come back and you know try to make right a lot of people believe that um i actually personally believe that the cycle of our planet and our coexisting with all of these other animals organizations organisms uh plants we're so connected and we have been really poor stewards of everything that's beautiful around us and i I don't know. I, I don't think that we've brought this on ourselves, but I do think that it is a consequence that we're having to deal with that um, what we've created and how fast we have desired for things to be available. I think this is something that it is something that we're having to answer for. I'm not saying that alpha gal is a direct response to that necessarily. I'm just saying that all of these syndromes and these illnesses that are that are coming, they're coming from insects and our environment. And so I think we've got to pay better attention and consider what our impact is that's prompting these things. So Leah, this begs the question, if your alpha-gal allergy could be put into remission, mm -hmm. and I know there is debate in the medical community about whether or not you can go into remission from the alpha-gal allergy, but assuming you could, would you make the changes and go back to eating a traditional diet if you could move into remission? That answer for me is so easy without hesitation. I absolutely would not go back. I know for some people in the alpha gal community, that is their desire and their ultimate goal. And I, I, I do not judge that at all. Man, I, I loved a medium rare steak just like the next person. But again, the work that it takes to find substitutions and to change your palate and to change your routine, it, it takes so much work. And also, you only know what you know, right? So when you start kind of looking into these things, if you research where your food is coming from, if you research the dairy industry, if you research, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but if you start understanding and knowing what is going on with your food production, a lot of it's really scary, and I think that a lot of it is attributing to certain illnesses. I, I feel better now than I probably ever have eating this clean diet that is now a requirement for me. 
again, like I stated, it, it's the silver lining in all of this in that I'm finally, I'm, I'm forced to live the lifestyle that I never previously had the discipline to actually follow through with. So no, I, I, I would not, I, I would not go back. So Leah, in addition to the blessing of becoming a more environmentally aware or the awakening that you had described, you've also gone through another transformation, an external transformation where you've become an activist on social media. Can you share with our listeners what triggered your activism and in what form has it taken? So this has been such a, a unexpected treat and blessing and uh, just part of my identity that I didn't know would that I would end up encompassing. My sister-in-law, Julia, who helped me run a gal without the gal, our website, she said to me <laughs> at one point, she said, Leah, you're the gal with, without the gal. And I said, yeah, that's, that's funny. That's catchy. She said, no, 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 no. You wanted a resource when you first got diagnosed and you could not find a good resource, a, a point place to go for answers. She said, you're the gal with alpha gal. And we kind of laughed and then we stopped laughing and kind of looked at each other like, are we going to do this? Julia's brilliant in web design and, and she's a phenomenal artist. And so she said, if you want to do this, I'll provide the platform. And the the rest is history pretty much. We we launched a gal without the gal.com. It'll be a year ago in October, which is crazy. And along with that, of course, we launched the Facebook and the Instagram pages, also by the same name. You can find us there. Through that medium, it really has been cathartic in that I've been able to provide answers that I've discovered that personally work for me as recommendations for our visitors to consider. And I've gotten wonderful feedback from that community as far as other things that are working for our followers, discoveries and recipes, and also just the activism portion of, you know, really being mindful of where are you buying your food, your waste, what are you putting out? It's really just been so exciting. So Leah, there's been another transformation that you and all victims of tick bites go through, and that is you become more aware of ticks and the challenges that they present. So I'm going to ask you the classic tick hacker question. If you are bitten by a tick tomorrow, what would you do? <laughs> I know exactly what my, what my response react, immediate reaction would be. It would be really, seriously, adding insult to injury. And so that has happened to me. And meaning you've I, been bitten by a tick since since your alpha gal experience. Exactly. And that was my response. I thought this is just how ridiculous is this that we're dealing with alpha gal and here's another one of these just diabolical critters. And so what I did is I went into fast mode and was like, Micah, immediately you know, called on my, my, my spouse and said, oh my gosh, is this a tick? And she was just like, unbelievable. Yes, it's a tick. And so properly removed with the tweezers and just upon identification, realized that it was not a Lone Star tick. And I had also, I knew that on my calendar, I had an annual appointment with 
Dr. Jenny Campbell at Hedberg that was coming up. I, I think it was literally that following week. And so I, I let her know, of course, that I had been bit and she scheduled the annual blood panel that I do every year. And it did not indicate an increase in my numbers, which was, a, you know, an answer prayer for sure. So I would say just be very, very careful and make sure that you remove the tick correctly. Um, there's a lot of instructive, uh, instructional things on the internet that will give you visual of how to do that. There are a lot of state supported, local supported places that will, that you can send that tick actually to determine if it's carrying a disease. And, and then I would absolutely just make an appointment with your doctor. Uh, make sure that you clean the area really well and just make sure that you follow through. So Leah, were you worried about any other tick-borne diseases when you got bit the second time by that tick? The idea crossed my mind of what if I end up with Lyme disease and alpha-gal? So, that would really uh, suck. <laughs> right? I, I, to, to, my, to the, the community of Lyme disease, I, my gosh, I... I feel for you all. My heart goes out to you. Uh, I know I have a friend here in Fayetteville who has suffered from Lyme and she, in her like joint, just so degenerative and she has suffered for a long time and took a long, long time to get diagnosed. Yes, that thought absolutely crossed my mind and still, still does. When we're getting ready to go out somewhere, even if it's, we have a beautiful botanical garden here, the, the grass, the grass is manicured and I mean this place is just gorgeous and the grass feels like carpet it is so well attended I still like I do not relax at all unless I'm completely covered in repellent um because that idea is absolutely terrifying or if the tick bite may be even more sensitive you know on the on the sensitivity spectrum of of reaction I I can navigate pretty easily with my where I'm at right now with AlphaGal and what my numbers are, I can't imagine it being um, requiring me to be even more diligent about my environment as far as fumes or higher sensitivity to cross-contamination type things. It, yeah, it could be so much worse. And I, I do, that thought does cross my mind. Sully, so we, we can't thank you enough for sharing all of your brilliant insights with our audience. And we um, really appreciate you sharing how this experience has affected your entire family and how this family disease has been one that you and Micah and the rest of your extended family have dealt with so brilliantly. So again, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us and our audience. Happy to do it. The more that we know, the better resources that we will have. So thank you so much for this platform. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Leah Spears Blackman. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Leah Spears Blackman and her tick disease journey, please visit her Instagram at galwithalphagal. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, we here at Tick Bootcamp have created a Tick Bite blueprint that is inspired by the information that has been shared with us by our past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. We would appreciate it if you would contact us with any improvement suggestions. Fourth, 
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we want to thank you, our listeners, for your past comments. We would also appreciate if you would take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, Instagram, or website for this episode. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.